Rumble, Chris Pavlovsky, opening up Rumble's brand new studio right in the swamp, Washington, D.C. Chris, welcome to my podcast here, and uh, thank you for inviting me, actually. I used to do my podcast from here, from Washington, but I'd have to like makeshift places to try to do it, and it's very nice. Now that I left Congress, you've now built this wonderful studio here, and it should be useful for people who are all your creators, not just members of Congress and Senate, but I guess other local media folks. Yeah, you bet. Well, thank you for coming in. Um, this is our first day here in the, the Washington, D.C. Rumble studio. Um, we have offices here now and uh, a studio for all creators to use and take advantage of it, um, be able to create uh, great content from out of here. Uh, I think like you were one of the, the very first uh, podcasts that came to Rumble of uh, meaningful size back in 2020, the summer of 2020. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it only made perfect sense for you to, to open up this, uh, this, yeah, I wish, I wish cut this, the ribbon with me a little earlier. I wish and, it was, uh, yeah, I wish it was here when I was, uh, when I was still here. You're always saying we got to have something in, uh, in DC for everyone. And, uh, now yeah. we're finally there and, uh, we finally have it. And, and uh, the technology keeps improving too, right? I mean, that's one of the things that through not only is Rumble making good, great investments, but it's also improving just because of COVID and everybody doing Zoom. So people getting more and more used to this. Like, you know, a lot of times when I'm doing my podcast now, I'm I'm by myself in the True Social headquarters, wherever, and I'll be, you know, interviewing somebody from, you know, I've been interviewed a guy from, he was down in Panama. I interviewed a guy from Panama, from a Panama hotel room last year. So. <laughs> yeah, no, this is the new thing, right? Like uh, live streaming is is really kind of taking off. Uh, we're, mm -hmm. we're putting our pedal our foot to the pedal on it. Uh, we launched the, the Rumble Studio, which is actually the ability to make it very easy for everyone to stream um, from their mm -hmm. phones or from their computers. Uh, so really happy about getting that out to the market this year. And then obviously we have studios now, one in Miami, one in uh, Sarasota, and now we finally have one here in, in Washington, D.C. One of the things that we found that was like very difficult for a lot of people to create was they didn't have access to the mics, they didn't have access to the equipment, they didn't have access to the space. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things we wanna do is we wanna make that more accessible so that people can create, uh, create content and uh, be able to utilize the, uh, the spaces that we do have. So uh, not have to worry about the lighting and the exactly. And you know, it, it all works. It, it, you can obviously do it right off your phone, you can do it straight from home mm -hmm. on your computer too, but if you wanna have like a good podcast atmosphere and you wanna have something uh, that, uh, you know, brings in a little better, better equipment, uh, we're going to have that available for, for people like you and, and creators mm -hmm. around the world. Yeah. And I should say we're, this is the first time that I've used not, we're not just, are we in the rumble studio, but I think we are using your new technology that you guys are developing to stream on today. The rumble, the, the rumble but, studio. So it's kind of, yeah. we call this the rumble studio, but yeah, yeah we have the, uh, the new this software. Is a physical, physical location, but it's important to, to draw that distinction that you also have software that now you can everybody can run their podcasts on and it will go out to your competitors also i believe right yeah it's can, it's platform agnostic you can yeah. stream anywhere yeah on any platform very easily using this software uh one of the things i'm really excited about though when it comes to it is that uh we we just filed for a patent so we're patent pending on this but uh we are building an, a, an advertising ecosystem and marketplace within the Rumble Studio. So imagine that you're going live right now. We're live. Mm -hmm. um, and a brand uh, comes and says, while you're live, hey, we'll pay you $500 for you to read this live during your stream. You click accept, you read it, $500 goes into your account, 
and the advertiser now gets to uh, uh, gets to gets to. What do you want it. me to read? <laughs> well, right now we just five hundred bucks cash. <laughs> well, we could talk about our new. I coffee. can take that now. I'm not in Congress. It was not a bribe. <laughs> yeah. But you did launch coffee today. We, we, we did launch that. We're gonna and we're coming yeah. back with Jim Jordan here in a couple of minutes uh, to do our first interview. Uh, but but you did launch coffee today, right? Yeah. Or so a partnership? You know, the approach on the coffee um, and you kind of the approach on any Rumble branded product is that if like. We're not able to get ads for certain creators uh, because some advertiser uh, doesn't want to advertise to specific audiences. Well, then fine. We're going to create that product, have that product, provide that for the creator so that they can generate more revenue. And this will mm -hmm. get built right into the Rumble Studio so that uh, all creators will have options for ads within mm -hmm. the Rumble Studio for reads. So um, we're building that line out. Uh, Coffee is obviously the first of, uh, of that line. We'll see mm -hmm. how that how that does. But it, it's going to be a very important part to the Rumble Studio. These these products. So if, if I mention coffee, will you send me some? Yeah, I'll send you packs and packs of coffee. Not a problem. It's called. So what is it? Seventeen seventeen seventy five coffee dot com. Okay. And what's the? It's actually pretty good. Like we we had it in the office. We te we tested it before we uh, we went with it, and uh, we were everyone was unanimously impressed and. Uh, um, we, we went with it. So just one flavor or you have multiple, there's dark and there's medium roast and there's, uh, there's some higher end versions as well, but okay. we're going to be adding, um, uh, some, some more things to it in the future. Nice. That I'll send you some Devin Nunes wine. Sounds good. I think yeah. we're going to have some over here. All right. A little sounds, later today. <laughs> sounds good. Well, Chris, thanks a lot. And thanks for having me to, to cut the ribbon uh, with you. And we're going to be right back in just a couple minutes with my good friend, Jim Jordan. Thank you, Devin. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Chris. And we're back with my good friend Jim Jordan here opening the Rumble studio in Washington, D.C. We just had on Chris Pavlosky, the CEO of Rumble. And Jim, I could think of nobody better than you. Uh -huh. uh, you and I worked together so, uh, you know, so well and, and we did so much together. 
And we actually did one of these broadcasts. You may remember you came to my yeah. district yeah. and we did a we on did stage. a podcast on stage. So yeah. this is our second time doing this. Yeah. I was still in Congress then. But thanks for coming over and well, being and being my first guest. Well, no, I'm happy to do it. And congratulations. This is great. And uh, to get to be on the first when you open the open the studio is amazing. But um, no, it, it was an honor to be able to work with you and the things you led the charge on. Um, I tell folks all the time, but for Devin Nunes first stepping forward, we don't figure out what the FBI was up to, what the DOJ was up oh. to, how they were going after President Trump, using the FISA process, abusing it to spy on a campaign, and then all the subsequent things we've learned, uh, of course, including uh, spying on members of staff of staff. members of Congress. That's for right. Sake. That's right. One of them, one so, of them being yours. That's we know, right. A guy we, we know well. So I think multiple, multiple staffers yep. of former staff of mine, and I'm glad you guys are looking into that. So I want to cover. Um, First of all, I want to thank everybody for tuning in and being being part of this. And uh, but I do want to cover just a couple hot topics. Obviously, the one that I'm sure you're going to do about 40 interviews on in the next uh, in the yeah. next week. Uh, but that is this border bill. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, look, but yeah, I'm bad. not elected anymore, so I don't have yeah. to. I can just ask you the questions. So what's well, your what's your initial take? No, on this it's border? bad, and everyone yeah. sees it. And and frankly, in some ways, I feel kind of bad for Senator Langford because I don't know what he was thinking in this. He's a good man. We we served with him when he was yeah. in the House before he went to the Senate. But it makes no sense. Uh, it, it allows basically the border to just continue to be the chaotic situation it currently is. And I always say this, I think this is real important. Never forget that it was intentional decisions, willful, deliberate decisions made by Joe Biden on day one to create the mess that we now have at our border. And the magnitude of this problem is we're on pace to get to 12 million migrants coming in in the Biden administration in the four years that he's president. And that's equivalent to the entire population of our home state, the state of Ohio. Right. I mean, we're the seventh largest state. We're not California, but we're a big state. I mean, that is how, that's the magnitude of this problem. And they decided on day one, no more building the wall, no more remain in Mexico while we evaluate your claim, your asylum claim. Right. And third, they said, once you get in, you will be released. And when you do that, you've incentivized the entire world to come. And that's what's happened. Yeah. One of the things that struck me in this bill is that you and I were there when, first of all, the Congress did everything they could to stop President Trump and his administration from being able to build the wall. Yep. And, you know, he had to fight and claw for every little dollar. Sure. And then you were there, as you as you mentioned, I know, I think, I think we might have been there together, but uh, we went down to the border in 2021 mm -hmm. uh, after President Trump left office, and there was all this fencing that was sitting there. Yep. Rotting, rusting away, and then they sold it. And then... And now here you have in this bill, I mean, just it's the top line number that I've that I've seen, twenty billion dollars. Yeah. That's going to go to doing something on the border. When Trump, I don't think he was able to get. I don't know what did we get him two or three billion? Yeah. Maybe smaller amount than that. I, I believe, yeah. or if I remember right, and in in, in when we finally did get something for the for the wall. Yeah, it makes no sense. It's it's as I said, it's intentional. Maybe the dumbest thing I've seen is. The Biden administration actually used American tax dollars to tear down the fence that Texas taxpayers put up. Now, that is about as stupid a thing. I, I mean, you got to be kidding me. So Texas, who's who's on the front lines of this, their Governor Abbott, their legislature says, let's let's do something. So they're putting up barriers on the border and the Biden administration comes in and takes them down using our tax money to do something that we should have done in the first place that we should have kept up in the first place letting letting fence you know letting the the the, the steel just sit there again this yeah. it, it makes you ask the fundamental question why 
What, what's, what's the reason? I, I guess it's political. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point, they think this benefits them politically, but it, it makes no sense to, I think, the vast majority of Americans who have common sense. Yeah, look, and, and my, putting my old uh, Intel hat on, uh, there's no question that there are people coming from all over the world that are coming yeah. into this country. I think now, I'm, last time I, I, I read, it's, who knows if it's fake news or not, but like 180 countries. 180 some countries, yes. Have now, there's somebody who's been, they've, they've tracked them back to 180 countries, um, which means that lots of bad apples in there. Well, they know of, what's the, I think the last number I heard was for this fiscal year, um, was three, for this calendar year, I think, was 375 on the terrorist watch list. Mm-hmm. So those ones we've encountered and we know about, uh, what about all the others in that, you know, where I think we're at like eight and a half million, like I said, we're on pace to get to 12 million the way the mm-hmm. Biden administration is functioning. So in that vast number, we know of 370 some, what about all the others that get across that we don't know about? And as right. you say, 180 some different countries where people have come in uh, the country from, scary situation. Yeah. So I want to, I'm going to switch topics here, uh, but it's something that kind of just got my attention here in the last couple of weeks. And, uh, and that is the mysterious pipe bomber from January 6th, which I know our former colleagues, many, or my former colleagues, your, your, your friends, uh, have been working on this. But, you know, I, I, just to kind of set the scene here, you know, you had two bombs, one place that was actually by the Capitol Hill Club, which is next yeah. to the RNC. RNC, right. And then another one that was placed uh, at, the, at the DNC. And I remember at the time um, that, that that happened, there was like sudden kind of pandemonium. I, mean, I was there that day just like you. And then like within a couple of days later, oh, it wasn't a big deal. And, and then, but now you're looking at this like, wait, that would have been a terrorist act. Yeah. Like, like whoever planted those bombs, yeah. that's a terrorist act. Right. And, you know, nothing ever happened. And now slowly, because a lot, a lot of this was buried by the phony uh, uh, Pelosi committee where yeah. they didn't, they yeah. kicked you off of, yeah. they wouldn't let you serve on it, um, which was unprecedented, by yeah. the way, because we, we, we supported you to, be, yeah. to lead yep. that committee and they wouldn't uh, let you uh, serve on it. So it was, a, it was a phony deal from the beginning. Now they've lost video, they've lost transcripts, they, they have nothing. But this is, as more facts come out, um, the, the thing that catches me now when you put the pieces together, for sure it's the video that came out and the reaction by the Secret Service of a guy now who we believe is somehow affiliated with the Capitol Hill Police. You found it. Um, yeah. Is that, you know, I don't know if that's, is that true? Or do we know well, that? I, I believe the guy who found the second one at the, I think the RNC one was found first, the one at the DNC was found second. I believe the guy who found the second one uh, was in fact uh, undercover officer. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, then there's the video of the guy who and looks then, like he was on the phone with the mask who's walking around. Looks like he's the one who planted uh, uh, at least one of them. And, you and know, that was the night before. Pardon? Yeah. That was the night before. So like, like 7, 8 o'clock at night, I think the night before is what right. they've said. Um, they've never found the guy. Yeah. This guy planted two bombs at the political, well, one was the Capitol Hill Club, which you and I, you know, that place well, next to the RNC. And then, of course, the DNC. But now it comes out, and I don't remember this at the time, Kamala Harris, the incoming vice president, happens to be there at the same time that that yep. bomb is found at the DNC. But then when you look at that video, it's like, I mean, it, Jim, I think even you and I, we're not law enforcement, I don't think you yeah. have any law enforcement background, but I think we'd be reacting a little differently if we knew there was a bomb somewhere. 
it is kind of funny when you watch because it seems to be a sort of a, a lack of a lack of intensity or you know like uh, you know just how 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 you know this this is a, a serious serious situation. Plus, you know, if they found two, were they concerned about possible other bombs being yeah. like? Doesn't seem we never hear about that. Um, and here we are now, three years and a month since it happened, and we don't know anything about yeah. the situation. Now we've had some briefings. Congressman Massey's been on this. We've had some briefings. And, you know, Thomas is an MIT grad, thirty-some patents, one smart guy. And I remember one of the briefings. He asked the guy from the FBI. He said, um, based on the pictures we've seen of the bomb, it's a one-hour kitchen timer. He says, how can a one-hour one kitchen timer? be the, the on a device that was planted 20 hours before you guys found it, you know, like, because they said these, so there's all kinds of questions he, that he raised that I wouldn't necessarily have thought of. Um, so it's a, it's a strange situation. We're going to continue to dig into that and some other issues regarding what, what, what took place on that day. Yeah, I mean, it looks, you know, to me, I, mean, I even walked behind the, because uh, I, I, oh, I know what you mean, yeah. I walked behind the Capitol Hill Club there, just it had been a while. I had been back there, but it had, yeah. been, it had been many, many years since I had been back there. And uh, that whole story doesn't make sense. Like randomly, and then you know the timing. Everything's found within like ten minutes. Yeah, everything yeah. happens in like a ten-minute little time frame, which I think is interesting. And then, like, you know, if you would, if it was you and I, like, we, well, we've been here when I think you were here when you know, capital was evacuated, bomb scare, playing against the capital. You you were here. Remember back back in the mid two thousands. Yeah, maybe right before I got here, but I, I know what you're referring to. Yeah. But whenever they evacuate, yeah. there's a lockdown, there's evacuation of the capital. I mean, people are fleeing. I mean, yeah. they're just they're running, everything's locked down. It doesn't happen in this case. I know. I thought the same thing. Like, why 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 wasn't the whole several block area around Capitol Hill? Uh, why wasn't that put into place? And then, I, I mean, I assume they're going to say, well, we had all these people here, and this was about the time that some people were doing things wrong and breaching the Capitol. We know that. But still, like, it, it seemed to be just the, the, the intensity you would expect in a yeah. situation where two bombs are found at the RNC and DNC. And at the DNC, as you point out, you had the incoming vice president there. Which we never knew. Yeah, right? that, that's like... All that requires, like, just a, a, a focus and an intensity that just didn't seem to see, seem to be there. Yeah, and the question is, what is she doing there, and why didn't we know about this? Yeah, I mean, pretty serious deal that the incoming vice president is like what twenty feet from a bomb. Yeah, and why wasn't she on this the House, uh, the Senate floor, like you and I were on the House floor with the debate going on, doing our job? I don't know why she wasn't. She was still a senator of the United States because she hasn't been sworn in as vice president. That doesn't happen for fourteen days until fourteen days later. Yeah, it's very, it's very strange. So I think that, and look, and I, and I have to tell, I should say this too, that uh, you know, Dan Bongino, Julie Kelly, Darren Beatty, I mean, these guys are doing some great work on this. Mm -hmm. Even our friend John Solomon you know, is, is, doing a, is doing a lot of good work because the, the regular media is not even, or the fake media, they're not even asking any questions right. about this. Yeah. And, and you know, you're relying on these guys. Well, who, what you, you guys know, are doing so important. <laughs> yeah, or else, yeah, if we weren't doing this, nobody would hear about this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, I don't think if it was, and remember, like, Julie, you take Julie Kelly. I mean, she's she's now, I mean, basically just has her own, um, you know, she posts to True Social and, yeah. to, and to Twitter, and she puts out, I think she's got a little blog. Um, Darren Beatty has Revolver. I mean, you're, you're never going to see these people acknowledged. I think Bongino's got a big voice. I mean, he's on, yeah. he's on Rumble. He's getting, like, like 130, 40,000 concurrent streamers. It's amazing the numbers that, that Dan is doing. But 
I don't think we would be able to put any of this together if it wasn't for places like Rumble, True Social, where we oh, have so well said. Free, free speech, or else this stuff wouldn't get out. And that was one of the challenges we had during the Russia hoax. You know, there was at that time there was no there, there was no Rumble, there was no True Social. So I'd put stuff up on we, it went it. I put it up on Facebook and it, yeah. it'd go immediately to the well, internet you, ghetto. Yeah, you get shadow banned, you get all kinds of stuff. I get one like. Yeah, visibility, uh, they, 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 they keep the visibility down for, I remember one time, this was probably, I think it was summer of 2018, and I get a call from Gates, and all he says on the phone is he says, Jim, Twitter is shadow banning us. And it turned out they were shadow banning four members of Congress, yeah. Gates, Meadows, Nunes, Jordan. And it just happened to be the four who were the most focused on the whole Mueller baloney, the Trump-Russia baloney, yeah. and they, they were doing that. Well, we were the ones with the most followers who had the most impact. Yes, and we were yeah. digging into this, and we, we, yeah. we knew from the get-go, and because of your good work initially, but we all knew from the get-go that this doesn't make sense. And so, yeah, it's why this, these platforms... Because, again, but for the alternative, the conservative media, alternative media, or just real media, we would have never learned about the laptop. Like, they told us that was a Russian information operation. And we, we, we interviewed a, some of the key people, who, the 51 Intel guys who signed that letter that became the basis for downplaying it and keeping Americans from seeing it right before the 2020 election. Mm -hmm. And we, we, we deposed all these guys. And of course, turned out we were right. That was not a Russian information operation. The laptop was real. Right. And then, so, so Barry Loudermore, uh, Loudermilk uh, from Georgia, um, I think he's running some of this investigation. Sure is, yeah. Doing a good job. And so I think... One, and, and I'll, maybe I'll see him while I'm here, but I mean, it seems to me like the, the people they need to bring in would be the, the people who witnessed, found the bombs. Yeah, the two guys sitting in the car who the guy walks up to, right? I mean, in that one video, particularly yeah. predict at the DNC, uh, talk to those guys. And we're looking at all that. Yeah, I mean, I think those have to be, and the lady, the random lady who just happened to be I think she was doing her laundry there. or something. I forget what she was walking across the, that, that, uh, that alleyway that you were talking yeah, yeah. about. Um, yeah, she's walking. It's a strange story. Yeah, and, and and again, this is the FBI. You can't. Now we've also learned that there was some phone data that they that was compromised, and you know, that right. no, nothing intentionally they told us, but really. So that this is we get this in this briefing. Um, so again, several, yeah, that, well, that's I I think what that is is there's no text messages from the Secret Service and no information from the Capitol Police during that time. Interesting. During that, at least mm -hmm. what from what I from I think the reporting that I've seen, um, on a so kind of the same vein, if you look at the you know, and I don't know where this is at now, but I think a lot of the people that watch uh, my podcast want to know this uh, or listen. If you're listening later on audio, we're talking to Jim Jordan, Congressman from Ohio, Chairman of the Judiciary Committee. Um, they want to know where are the tapes. Where's, so what's the, I know some of them are posted on Rumble, but but all the J6 yeah. video footage, um, where where is that at right now? I know Kevin McCarthy tried to get yeah, it Speaker, out. Speaker Mike Johnson's trying to get it out. Yeah, Speaker McCarthy uh, got a lot of it out there. You remember Tucker did the, 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 the special on it. Um, uh, Speaker Johnson has done the same, although he has made a statement that there's some some tapes he's concerned about because of, um, certain people who may have, um, he didn't want to hurt their particular case. He showed certain things, I, I, I believe is what he said. So I think it's important to get that out. Uh, let, let everyone and you, you know, the crowdsourcing that takes place where everyone can view it and, yeah. and, and find certain, certain key things that are, that are important. Um, 
So we just need to keep pressing on that. But I know Speaker, both Speaker McCarthy and Speaker Johnson want that material out there for the American people to see. Yeah, and I think those are being posted as far as I know. I think they're being posted on Rumble, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. I'm not sure it's your committee or the, or the, uh, the I think House GOP is, I think, putting them yep. out on, on Rumble. And, and look, this is the, the, the frustrating thing, I think, you know, from sitting from afar now, is we're watching the dirty cops, same ones that you and I know about, that we've been invest, you know, that we investigated a long time ago. They're still there. They're still playing the same games. And you know, they can manage to find people that they've prosecuted for J6 that weren't even in the Capitol that day. But yet, you've got a guy who commits the only terrorist act, which is the guy that laid um, the pipe bombs. Yep. And it's like the trail just went cold. Yeah. No. But the trail's not going cold for like thousands of people. They, they got them locked up here. Remember, remember when they went to the 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 couple in Alaska who had like the the little inn, the little bed and breakfast kind of thing in in, in Alaska, and they come in, they handcuff them, they interrogate them for four hours, and they had the wrong couple, and they actually they actually were they took their pocket constitution because they thought somehow they were in the Capitol and stole one of those. I think was the motivation because I asked Chris Ray one time, why'd you, why'd you take their constitution? Mm -hmm. But the, the, the funny thing, you got to love American sense of humor because they asked the lady, and I'm forgetting their names right now, but they asked the lady, they go, uh, we have a picture of you and they hold this picture up. It was someone else. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the lady was so good. She goes, I wouldn't be caught dead in a sweater that ugly. It was, it was, it was that good. You know, like, but this is the FBI who's running, uh, running this, this stuff. And, and it, I think, can't find any answers at all to this to this bomb situation. Yeah, yeah, it's bizarre. A couple more topics because uh, I know you've you've got you've got real work to do, not just do an interview with with me today. But but thanks for your time. So you, um, you mentioned it at the beginning of the show, and that is the targeting of congressional staff, specifically. For sure, it was my staff. We don't my former you know former staff. Um, I know you've opened an investigation on that. I don't know what you can say yeah. uh, about it, but um, you know we were conducting the investigation into DOJ and FBI, while at the same time Rod Rosenstein and company were investigating our staff, who were investigating them. Yep. No, it's crazy that that you have the executive. Rod branch. Rosenstein was was just so I yeah. be clear, he was Deputy, acting Deputy attorney, attorney general. general. Yeah. Yeah. When um, Jeff Sessions was. Yeah. What was he dag? But then he steps up and and, and becomes acting in, in in many ways because Sessions had recused himself. From, from some of this stuff. But yeah, and we, we learned this because one of one of Senator Grassley's key staffers uh, got a notice from Google that, hey, there's been a certain amount of time this lapse, several years, but we wanna let you know that we were asked to give information to the government, your phone, your, your call records and those kind of things, which is frightening. So what we've done is we've, we've, we've asked for the information. We wanna know what was going on. We wanna know the correspondence. We wanna know when it was asked for, what was asked for, who all they were actually surveilling and and looking at phone logs and, and phone mm -hmm. data because we we believe it was your staff and and Grassley Mr. Foster, staff. Grassley staff. Yeah. Who, Mr. Senator Grassley did great work like your committee did and your team did in uncovering all this stuff. So we haven't we're still waiting, uh, but we'll keep pressing just like we have with. It's it's important it's important to note that that Senator Grassley, longtime senator from from Iowa, um, has long been done a great job at running investigations yep, in Congress. Sure has. And, he was basically the only one at the time on the Senate that was doing anything. Him and his team were great. So the fact that that early on they're targeting my staff and his staff, yeah, um, I think is quite quite telling. I'm surprised. I mean, look, they're so corrupt, but I'm honestly surprised they had the balls or guts to to go after Grassley's staff. Yeah, no I mean, kidding. And one of his key staff, Jason Foster. Yeah. I mean, that's who it was. Um, 
But, you know, someday I'll look back on this, uh, you know, I'm getting old, but, you know, when I meet, hopefully, Lord willing, when I get even older, I'll look back. One of, the, one of the things I'm most pleased about what we did is there was literally a handful of us in the Congress and a handful of people in the media world who dug into this stuff and said, wait a minute, this, this Trump-Russia stuff is baloney. This whole Mueller investigation is based on some false premise. It, there was literally a handful. And the, in the end, when all the facts come out and we, we were proven right, Mm-hmm. The, only, the, the only thing that we got wrong is it was worse than we thought. And, in, and part of that worse than we thought was the fact that they were spying on congressional staffers. I mean, top staffers who were doing hard work and good work. Mm-hmm. That's what they were doing. Um, and, but at every, I, and at every turn, they were blocking documents. Yes, yes. And I think that's part of the problem, you know, what they're doing, what they're doing right now. And, you know, when we, when we made the criminal referrals, you know, to the Department of Justice, I think we're just deep sixth. Um, the irony here is, is that, and, and you know, that we we were using the uh, defrauding the federal government. I forget the statute um, and conspiracy to do it. I mean, yeah. that's what Comey and that whole cabal were doing. Yep. I mean, that's what they did. They abused their positions to create all these phony in- investigations. The two lovebirds. I mean, you know, you know, you know all of it, and I think my audience uh, knows all all that too. But the irony, I couldn't believe I found out. You know, I had not looked at. Every single, like, you can't keep track of all the Trump indictments because there's so many yeah. of them. But they wouldn't prosecute all themselves under that statute of defrauding the federal government. Yeah. And that's what they're going after Trump on. Yeah. Shows you how politicized things have become and how weaponized the, the very agencies who are supposed to serve we the people and the taxpayers have been turned against we the people and the taxpayers. And no more so than, than, than of course, President Trump. And the escalation is what scares me because at first it was... You go to the FISA court, lie to the FISA court to get a warrant to spawn his campaign. Then it was Mueller. Then it was impeachment. Then it was raid his home. Then it was special counsel. Right. Now it's gotten all the way to the 14th Amendment, Section 3, crazy, like trying to keep him, just keep him off the ballot in key states. Right. Like That's oh, how wow. committed they are to stopping anyone who wants to come to this town and disrupt the way the, 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 the system has always worked. Um, and that's that's particularly frightening because it just it seems to just continue to escalate. Yeah, and, and everything's just deteriorating as we see it. Do you? So I had just. Uh, uh, do you have any opinion whatsoever on the latest uh, in down in Georgia with this situation? I mean, it's like the, the history keeps repeating itself, right? We yeah. have the we have the lovebirds at the at the <laughs> FBI and DOJ that, yeah. that played the games against Trump. <laughs> now you got lovebirds in yeah. Georgia we, doing exactly the same thing. Yeah, I mean, we, and they're. They're like more outrageous. Like at least yeah. the original lovebirds weren't like paying each other a million bucks. Yeah. Now you got a million bucks. Almost seven hundred thousand in twenty-six months that Fonnie Willis paid Nathan Wade to to uh, go after President Trump. Fourteen point six million dollars of federal tax money went to the DA's office there in Fulton County. We just subpoenaed Fonnie Willis on Friday. We said we want every document, every communication relative to how you spent that fourteen point six million. And remember, we had a whistleblower come forward. In the press last Thursday, mm-hmm. uh, Ms. Timpson, who worked in the office and said she felt grant money was being spent inappropriately. So that's mm-hmm. why we sent the subpoena uh, to uh, Ms. Willis, and we'll see. But that, again, I talked about what happened at the federal level, but those are you got Alvin Bragg in Manhattan, Fonnie Willis in, in Fulton County, Georgia, mm-hmm. uh, who both got some ridiculous action against President Trump. Alvin Bragg, by the way, the same guy who let immigrants go after they beat up NYPD. We've all seen that video. Yeah. That, that's how that's how crazy the left has become, 
And it's all the more reason why what you're doing, getting this information out to the American people, and what we're trying to do, find out you know, how they've abused the process uh, inside, inside the, the Congress. Uh, it's why that work is so important. I want to get uh, your take just before we let you go. Um, just switch over to uh, politics. Um, Ohio, for a long time, was, uh, was a tough state for Republicans. Yeah. Uh, we had to fight it out there. Um, I think Ohio's looking pretty good for Republicans right now. Yeah. And you know, you're a Midwest, Midwest guy. Um, and obviously, this, this race is really going to come down to the Midwest. Yeah. Um, I assume, kind of give us your rundown of what you think is going on in, in Ohio and then kind of the surrounding states there. Well, President Trump has changed our state. We're, we are no longer, we used to be the bellwether state in a presidential contest. If you, you had to win Ohio to be president. Um, but now it, it went for President Trump eight and a half points, both in 16 and 20. So we're going to be fine. We're going to be solid for President Trump, uh, I believe, this fall. Presidential race now comes down to seven states. It's, I always just do the loop around the country. Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, Nevada, Arizona. And we have, and in 20, President Trump only won, we only won North Carolina. We have to win North Carolina, Georgia, Arizona, and then Pennsylvania or two of the other three. And it's so, you know, the polls are looking good for President Trump. He's ahead in almost every one. I saw the Georgia poll last week in Georgia. He was up like five or six points. So all looking good. But the key states are really going to come down to Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. We got to win Pennsylvania, which is the biggest of those three electoral uh, votes. Or you got to win Michigan and Wisconsin, Wisconsin and Nevada, Michigan. Nevada. You got to win a combination. And it's, um, so we got our work cut out for us, but Ohio, I feel good about it. I think we can win the Senate race there. I think, I think Bernie Marino or whoever our, our, I'm from Marino, President mm-hmm. Trump's endorsing, we got three good people running, but I think um, we got a chance to beat Sherry Brown. And, yeah. and, and win the Senate, we're gonna beat Manchin. Manchin's leaving, we're gonna win West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully keep the House, and I feel pretty good about that, and then gotta win the White House. Well, hey, well, in the meantime, I hope you'll, uh, Come back on maybe I'd love before to. the election. I'd love to. Or you got to do your own podcast. Yeah, okay. I'll come on yours. You gotta, you gotta I like coming your on podcast. yours. Yeah, yeah. But thanks for for doing the groundbreaking. Thanks here for your for good us, work. Uh, My best to your Rumble family. And, and we're you know true social. We're really happy that Rumble's got this for us, so I can do my podcast and many other creators can also. So Jim, thanks a lot. You bet. Thanks, Devin. It's Devin Nunes. We will catch you next time.